recently, the Federation of State Medical Boards and the National Board of Medical Examiners decided that the results for step one of the U.S. medical license ex examination taken by medical students will be reported as pass or fail rather than as a three-digit score, possibly starting as soon as 2022. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Deborah Weinstein, Vice President for Graduate Medical Education at Mass General Brigham Healthcare and a member of the journal's Perspective Advisory Board. The journal has published a collection of perspective articles about the plan change to the scoring system for the Step 1 exam. Dr. Weinstein, what do we know about the reasons for this change? What kinds of concerns have educators expressed about the Step 1 exam and how it's traditionally been scored? Thanks, Steve. That's a great question. For a long time, people have been concerned that the original intent of developing the USMLE exams was eligibility for licensure. But in fact, the way the exams are being used goes beyond the evidence we have in terms of the validity and, and reliability. And particularly with step one and step two as well, they're being used to filter applications to residency programs and students are being offered or not offered interviews often related primarily or only to their step one score. So what was the immediate reaction among medical students, medical school faculty, residency program directors when this change was announced in February? The immediate reaction was very mixed. This is clearly a very controversial issue. And while different constituencies may have a fairly uniform reaction, overall, I think people are not of one mind. For instance, the program director community is pretty uniform in objecting to this change. Program directors are struggling with often a tsunami of applications that come in a very short period of time, need to be reviewed quickly, and they have to make decisions about a small subset of applicants to interview without adequate time or resources to evaluate the richness that are in these applications. From the perspective of medical students, Reactions are mixed, and some are relieved that there will be less pressure on this particular exam, but still worried that there'll be pressure on step two or other metrics that they may not feel adequately represent their characteristics or their abilities. Medical school leadership, faculty, and deans, I think, are fairly optimistic about this change because it will potentially allow students to focus on other aspects of their experience and not just hunker down and study for this test at a time when they should be engaging in the clinical arena. And some deans are thinking that this is an opportunity to really rethink the curriculum as well as how they prepare students and counsel students around the selection process. Taking those three groups in reverse order, medical school faculty, do you think that a reduced focus on the step one exam is going to actually change the way they teach and should it? I don't think it'll immediately change the way they teach, but I think it will change their ability to engage students in what they're already trying to teach as students move through the curriculum and currently are focused, often just disproportionately focused on this exam that lays ahead of them. So over time, I think there's an opportunity to rethink the curriculum. To varying extent, schools may themselves be focusing on teaching to the test and hopefully can think more broadly and look at existing evidence and create new evidence in terms of what the content of the curriculum should actually be 
and how that curriculum is best delivered. And then looking again at medical students, do you think the switch to pass-fail is going to reduce their stress, alleviate burnout, which they have complained about to some extent? I think it will eliminate some stress for sure. In part, the impact on students depends on what programs do in the wake of this decision. If programs, as many predict, and I share this anticipation, pivot to the reliance on step two rather than step one, then it just transfers the stress to a different exam. And there may be pros and cons to doing that. The step two clinical knowledge exam seems a bit closer to what you actually care about measuring in people who are going to transition to residency. But it's still an exam that's being used for a purpose that it wasn't designed for and fails to measure the qualities and capabilities that you know, many people feel are much more important than clinical knowledge itself. So then looking at that third group, the residency programs and the residency program directors, do you see a shift to reliance on step two of the licensing exam? Do you think that other metrics will be developed? What's the future? I think other metrics will be developed and need to be developed. I think the, the folks who are evaluating student applications are struggling with the volume and they're struggling with ways to compare students to one another as they look at a limited number of slots that they're recruiting to. And people are looking for assessments that are, quote, objective in a system that is fundamentally subjective. And they're also looking for tools that are standardized nationally because some of the difficulty is comparing students that come from different schools, and we often fall into this rut of judging the student in the context of what we believe about the school they come from. And that's an important and dangerous bias that we have to overcome. That's also a bias that some worry will be amplified in a pass-fail U.S. MLE Step 1 environment. Are these problems, do you think, going to hit some programs harder than others? Yes, in different ways. I think that programs in specialties that are highly competitive and already have a high ratio of applicants to positions are probably going to see an increase in applications. Now, part of that's a good thing because it reflects that students may not be discouraged from pursuing the specialty they're most interested in because they've gotten a bad score on a single test but then the program is left with an even higher number of students. So hopefully they will figure out creative ways to better assess the students in ways that matter more. Getting back to your question about what could the new tools be, that's something that we should be putting a lot of effort into right now. And some of it might be using tools that are already out there, like shelf exams at the clerkship level in ways that we haven't really used them before. Some might be developing new tools, maybe tools that are tuned to different categories of specialties. For instance, something that measures technical skills for procedure-oriented specialty candidates or something that looks at the skills needed for visual diagnostic specialties like pathology, radiology, dermatology. And particularly, we need to figure out better ways to evaluate professionalism and communication skills. So I think it's great that the journal has this cluster of perspectives on a single controversial issue because this is a complicated topic that is seen very differently through different lenses. Having voices that focus on the medical student perspective, the 
program director perspective and, you know, to some extent, the societal perspective is really helpful. I think in terms of what we need to do broadly in this area is really rethink the selection process and how students transition from medical school to residency. We need to develop new assessment tools. We need to do research to figure out what other aspects of students, what aspects of their experience of who they are will predict their success in residency and their impact later as physicians. My dream would be to have a national database that allows us to look for correlates, perhaps students that had a very personal experience with illness are better physicians in some ways, or in some research studies looking at characteristics like grit or history as an athlete or other things that we don't know how to interpret in an applicant's file. But if we put together a mass of information and look more broadly to help think of new ways to identify people who are going to be successful, that'd be great. And one other point is we tend to focus on success in medical school pretty narrowly defined in selecting candidates for residency programs. But it's not just about that. It's about fit for the program and fit for the specialty. And I think as we consider how to re-engineer the selection process overall, we have to think about that in a new way. Fortunately, the implementation of the change in step one is currently planned for 2022 because there's another impact on selection that's happening right now. And that is that because of the COVID situation, the reliance that many programs have on audition rotations for fourth-year students is being undermined. And that may be a good thing. In addition, the reliance that programs generally have on in-person interviews is being undermined because many specialty societies and many institutions are making decisions now that for the upcoming recruitment cycle, all of the recruitment efforts will be virtual. So alongside the need to rethink the absence of step one scores, we're being forced in a way that may prove to be healthy to rethink other aspects of our selection of residents. So we'll take these challenges one at a time. First, the absence of visiting clerkships and in-person interviews. Then next, the step one disruption by going to pass-fail. And hopefully we'll come out the other end with a much better approach. Finally, how will this change in scoring affect students from groups that are underrepresented in medicine? How can medical schools and residency programs support efforts to increase diversity? Medical schools and residencies have been focused for a while on the struggle of diversifying the medicine workforce, the healthcare workforce. And I think right now at this moment in time, we feel that looking carefully at all of our recruitment strategies and selection approaches is critical. Undoubtedly, there is structural racism at many levels in medical education, and we have a serious obligation and an urgent obligation to root this out and redo our processes in ways that emphasize diversity and inclusion and help us ensure that diverse candidates and diverse residents are successful. Thank you, Dr. Weinstein.